Hi, I'm Malcolm Hawker, and this is the CDO Matters Podcast, the show where I dig deep into the strategic insights, best practices, and practical recommendations that modern data leaders need to help their organizations become truly data-driven. Tune in for thought-provoking discussions with data, IT, and business leaders to learn about the CDO matters that are top of mind for today's chief data officers. Today, we are lucky to have Justin Magruder, the CDO of SAIC Corporation, joining us for our conversation today. I'm excited to talk to Justin about what it takes to become a CDO. If you have aspirations of being a CDO, maybe you're in a data and analytics role today, maybe you're not, maybe you're more on the business side and you've read a little bit about how to become a CDO. I'm excited to, to question Justin today about that path, what he's learned, what's worked for him, what he would recommend to, to do the same. Um, I met Justin maybe, what was that? Maybe even about a couple of years ago now, I've had a professional relationship with him. We've talked about some of his bigger data-related challenges over those years. Uh, I seem to run into Justin at just about all the big CDO-related events. I know we were in Boston uh, together recently at a, at a fantastic conference there at MIT. Um, and, and every time that I've ever talked to Justin, I, I feel like I walk away with, with more than I came with, uh, uh, which, which is a great way to feel about the conversation. And, and that's exactly why, uh, Justin, you're here today. So first and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And I look forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, Malcolm. I look forward to it also. Wonderful. Let, let's let's just take a couple of minutes. And, and if you could, Justin, could you please just describe uh, your role at SAIC, you, sure. where you sit in the organization, uh, kind of what, what what are parts of kind of your the key remit of, of, of your role and, and just share a little bit of the background for, for our audience. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Um, thanks, Malcolm. Uh, SAIC is Science Applications International Corp. Uh, founded in the late 60s in San Diego, but now headquartered in Reston, Virginia. Um, we're a Fortune 500 technology services company. We provide services to our main client, the US federal government um, and its agencies and departments. Um, we do some work on the state and local level, uh, a little bit of commercial work, but we're primarily focused on US government um, uh, services. Um, we provide secure cloud, uh, IT, uh, and data management services. We, we do quite a bit of custom development. We do a little bit of manufacturing too. We build certain um, systems for the US Navy and, and for NASA and some other uh, important uh, federal agencies. Uh, and we uh, have about 26,000 um, or so, it's growing all the time, uh, employees today. About 24,000 of those are consulting to the government as primarily engineers and, um, uh, and, and related uh, roles. And we, uh, you know, we work on, a, uh, uh, on quite, a few, quite a wide range of businesses with uh, national security, uh, space, uh, defense, and civilian agencies. So we run the gamut. Uh, currently, I'm, uh, my role is as the corporate chief data officer. I report to the corporate chief information officer. Um, I'm a peer of the corporate IT organization, and so I've got several, um, there are several uh, pillars to that IT organization. My group is not IT, um, but we do manage some core systems and we develop core systems for the company. Um, but, but I'd say more than the systems, 
our role is, and, and we, what we've really been successful at, is setting up and managing enterprise data governance. Um, and and data, enterprise data governance isn't what I thought it was 15 or 20 years ago when I first heard about the term after having been in technology. It's not a committee that meets once a month and has lunch. Um, it's, it's not a, uh, uh, it, it, well, what it is, is an active uh, organization that's focused on standards and policy or policy and standards and then procedures and implementing uh, solutions to help business people uh, get the data they need to do their jobs. I mean, it's as simple as that. We help people find their data. We help make sure it's accessible. We make sure it's integratable and it's reusable, um, sort of those fair principles. Uh, and so uh, what has set us apart, I think, at SAIC and has made us at least uh, for now uh, successful is that we've been able to govern the intake of uh, data requirements across the business by using you know, very common voice of business type uh, approaches, very agile methodologies. Uh, and uh, we uh, have moved into the space of managing some of the company's core data systems. Uh, so like many companies, we've got uh, you know, a data warehouse and we've got some operational data stores for different purposes. Um, and we have a, uh, an infrastructure for managing company data that is coming together quite nicely under this governance umbrella, which has really helped us to uh, apply some discipline to the introduction of new technologies and new systems and new, um, uh, new methods for, for people in the company and the business to get the data they need to do their work. Fantastic. So uh, obviously governance, I heard that. I heard some uh, systems as well, which I would assume would be some of the classic data management, like maybe data quality, data integration, uh, MDM, uh, nodding, so yeah. those are good things. Beyond governance and, and systems, do you have any current responsibility related to data strategy, maybe data monetization? Is that something that you're thinking about? We're, we're outside of the kind of the core governance focus area or some of the, some of the things you may be working on as well that you, that you're able to yeah. share, of course. Sure. Um, so I'm in my third year and I'm writing my third, uh, data strategy for the company. It's an enterprise data strategy. Uh, the first strategy we wrote, uh, a little over two years ago when I arrived, uh, was really, uh, foundational building blocks. What did we need to put in place to begin this journey? Um, it's a, in discussions with my boss and my management team, um, we've agreed this is a journey, it's never gonna end. Uh, data is why we have technology. All we do with our technology is push data around, including this video. Um, you know, we're actually writing a retention and destruction standard for video recordings right now. Oh, uh, to decide how to manage, how to automate the process of retaining certain types of videos and, and so forth. Um, so strategy is critical. Um, our new strategy that we're developing right now and uh, for the next fiscal year um, is going to be focused on really mastering data that uh, that we've been challenged with. Like every organization I've been with has been uh, classic domains. Um, you know, I started doing this, Malcolm. We've talked about it at uh, a little bank called J.P. Morgan in the '90s, and. Um, we helped develop uh, the company's first integrated reference data service, we called it back then, for customer accounts, for counterparty accounts. Um, 
and really focusing on those key domains of customers and contracts and programs or transactions and activities. Um, so we're trying to, uh, we're thinking through how to really optimize that because we've had some really good uh, results from uh, a number of our uh, kind of uh, recent uh, uh, data science programs to begin to measure and predict, um, measure what's happened and begin to predict what we think might happen in the future based upon certain types of events. Um, so we're really beginning to move into, we're not there yet, into that, uh, that, that capability zone where we'll be able to have some data science capabilities and we'll be able to do some predictive analytics. I wanna be careful about using machine learning and artificial intelligence because there's so much packed into those terms these days. But I think that's the direction we're going and, and our business people and our customers um, are quite eager to um, leverage some of these uh, capabilities. And, and that's the other thing I'm doing, Malcolm. I, I do have uh, sort of a piece of my role is to help uh, our customers understand how they can best manage some of their very complex and, and sprawling information uh, requirements. So um, I'm working with our business development and our account teams uh, to really help uh, some of our very important customers understand um, the benefits of good governance and active governance, the benefits of cataloging and mastering and, and sort of warehousing and, and data lakes and data lake houses and some of those technical solutions, but the solutions we really want to implement to manage the data. Uh, what we're realizing is it's not about the technology. Well, of course it is, but the technology is all about the data. And so we're really looking at those outcomes-based um, uh, results that our customers need to, to do what they do for uh, our country best. Interesting, particularly when the customer is the government, but then we're all benefiting. So that's a, that's a rather unique twist. So um, what about your role? I assume you went into it and you had a number of expectations about what you thought a CDO would do. What are some of the things that have caught you a little bit by surprise that, that you that you didn't expect, that you didn't anticipate, that 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 hopefully are a bit more of a pleasant surprise than than not? Absolutely. Well, you know, as you know, I came out of uh, a, a career in the financial services business when I joined SAIC, and I'd spent twenty five years um, with a number of big banks and uh, investment firms, and you know, really had a great time. But I I joined this company. Uh, and this industry of uh, national security, space, defense, and civilian uh, uh, government support services. Um, and it's, it's actually been uh, just a wonderful surprise. Uh, the people are amazing. Um, our team has a mission, and our mission is more than making money. Banking was cool. I believe in the concepts of efficient markets and capital formation and all the things that we lived and breathed in, in the banking business. Um, but uh, frankly, people in that business are cranky. People <laughs> <laughs> in this business are happy. Like we're trying to do good things. And it's, it's uh, I, I really enjoy that. And I, I did not expect that. And, and kind of the way I've been, one last thought, Malcolm, what, the way I've kind of characterized it to people as I sort of began to realize where I was is that it's a new language uh, in part. Uh, the nouns are different. We're talking about you know, uh, 
the US Navy and NASA and the National Science Foundation. Um, but the verbs are the same. We do the same things with the data. So we do, you know, we catalog things, we master them, we keep a dictionary and we try to manage our metadata well. Uh, we manage transactions in journals and we aggregate them and uh, turn them into reports and analytics. And so it, it's been a, a really fantastic uh, uh, journey so far. Uh, so that, and I think I'm just getting started. That, that sense of purpose, if I were to par paraphrase you, uh, what, what I heard is, is a real sure. sense of purpose here that wasn't just monetary. That, that, that sense of purpose, is that something that that is, I assume that that is something that's that's kind of sitting in the back of your brain as you're working through the strategy elements here, yes? Absolutely. Um, you know, and it, it's it's exciting because we get a call and, and uh, from an account person who has may have read the strategy, they may have heard a presentation we did and from our group. We've got a, a good team of, of communicators on our uh, on the data team. And, and we hear from people who say, I really need something like that for my customer. They really need something like that. They need to understand the value proposition or the business process requirements for a catalog. Why is a catalog important? You know, a lot of people, when we started doing cataloging work internally, thought it was about having a, a nice static glossary of terms. That's, that's important. It's, it's nice to have people go look at things. And, and find out what the definition of a term might really be according to someone in the business. Um, but what it's really about, we've learned, is automation. And how do we build a framework where we can have this integrated environment and we can really find out the authoritative source for any particular data point at any time, and we can watch it change over time in almost a time series view and follow the lineage automatically using a tool and find out the full provenance, you know, the, the full and you really watch the data transform itself through the process, through the life cycle. Um, so it's really been uh, rewarding to see how uh, the introduction of data strategy to a technology firm is beginning to have, I think, a positive impact on the way we do business with our customers and, and the value we provide to them. Uh, and we have, uh, I was in a call with our CTO a few weeks ago, and I'd said something in a meeting once, and, and he and I were going back and forth about some solutions for a customer. And uh, he turned to me and he said, you know, you said that. I heard you say that last month. It's all about the data. And it was good to hear that from a techie. Um, very smart guy. And I was glad to hear him recognize that, um, you know, we should think about the outcomes uh, and not just about plugging in an, another, you know, uh, technical component. Uh, but how do we how do we make that into good quality data to help support better decisions or better operations? Um, so it, it's been it's been an interesting journey so far. So to the point about your conversation with with the CTO, and that's that's fantastic. By the way, having having yeah. your messages kind of echo back that that's always a great sign that you're on the right track. How much of you, how much of your day would you say is kind of playing a data evangelist type role with members of the C-suite, with some of your peers in the technology organization? How, mu how much of your role is is selling? <laughs> I'm paraphrasing now, but but how much do you yeah. see of your role is, is is selling, and how important has that been? I was on a, a call yesterday with uh, my deputy CDO Sarah, who's amazing, um, and. Uh, we were in a call with a number of managers and, and leaders in the firm. 
And I was, you know, she was, you know, talking about something and, and she began to sort of um, repeat a few of our mantras. And, and she laughed at the end and said, you know, Justin's got me drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, we spent a lot of time uh, developing the messages, but the messages have to be based upon that, you know, the architecture, that the concepts, the, the policies and standards. One thing we've done, and, and Sarah's been quite helpful in this, is we've been able to add data policy to the company's corporate policies. Um, so that's something I've seen happen elsewhere. It's not been so much a policy for data. It's more that all these policies have to respect the, the impact they have on data. For the company, um, we have to realize that there is a, a value. Um, monetization is an interesting discussion, um, but there is value to the data. It is an asset. And we're beginning to think of our data as products. Um, there may not be direct cash flows associated with them. And the reason I say that is coming out of financial services, I was in the business for a while of selling indexes and there's big money in that and selling analytics to investors. And that's a huge business. Um, we're not doing that so much, but we are delivering the same kinds of products to um, data consumers in the company. And we've developed a, a model. Um, I've been working on this model for quite some time and I have some debates with my mentor, Dr. Uh, John Talbert, who he believes in a supply and demand model. I believe in a producer consumer model and we're still mm -hmm. debating this. Uh, and in the producer consumer model, uh, producers, they want, to, they want to get their, their job done. They want to push the data out and they want to move on to the next one. Uh, the consumers care about quality. So if they get a bad product, they need to push back and define the requirements. We've decided the role of the CDO or, or the data office. Let me be clear: it's not, it's not the it's not the CDO. It's really the DO. Um, that the data office's job is to broker that relationship and to explain to the producer how the consumer's needs are not being met if if they're not being met and what are the quality requirements they need. That's the manual piece of the process. But hopefully, our job will be to automate those rules so that producers can produce what is needed by all the different types of consumers downstream. So, so we've really organized our governance program and our, our entire data strategy around that concept of, um, and, and what we've found and what everyone has agreed is that everyone in the company is both a producer and a consumer. Every, every organization, every business process, HR uses finance data, finance uses HR data and so forth. Um, so it's, it's been a, you know, again, it's, it's part of the journey. Um, it will evolve and change, I'm sure. Um, but I think we, you know, this resonance is now reaching into, uh, you know, we've got six or eight customers now, um, who are, uh, we're working with to develop their strategies, to develop mm -hmm. their cataloging solutions, some of their mastering solutions and, and quite a few warehousing or lake housing, uh, reporting and analytics and, and pre-processing solutions as well. So I'm struck by this notion of kind of you being the broker purveyor, I think you used the word arbiter uh, of data between the producers and the consumers. And, and I love that through, especially through the lens of, of data as a product, which is maybe a separate conversation for us to have. I don't want to get down a rabbit hole about data mesh. Sure. Uh, some of the, the dogmas out there these days. Um, but I am fascinated by treating 
kind of data management, more like product management. Sure. And what what I heard you just describe, you I think one could arguably say is the role of a product manager. If data is your product. Okay, so, so so you agree. So you know, I, I, I'll mention Sarah one more time. Uh, Sarah, I hope you don't mind. Sarah's just standing up our product management organization. So we have a master data management product manager. We have a catalog or metadata product manager. We have a visualization product manager. Um, and we're standing up a biz ops product manager. Um, and I'm sure we'll have many other um, uh, sort of roles in the product space as we evolve. These will change probably by the end of the month um, because we're in such a dynamic uh, place right now developing our strategy for the next year. Um, but I think we, we absolutely see the delivery of data products as a core responsibility of this broker role in the middle. And I, I go to that financial services analogy, mm -hmm. you know, the way that the, the Wall Street works, you've got buy side and sell side, the sell side selling stuff, the buy side's buying stuff. And in the middle, you have some sort of exchange or some mechanism. Um, we think, and you know, this is a bit of a fantasy, uh, uh, Malcolm, but we think that um, in the long run, uh, data governance and much of our role should be automated. Um, we think it, it uh, if we can develop rules and frameworks um, and tools, uh, we'll need people to manage process, to monitor, you know, metrics and measure and attribute and repair. But we don't see uh, a lot of activity do around, you know, reviews of metadata. We can we can imagine a world where, uh, let's say, a company uses ServiceNow to manage its process certain uh, support processes where a developer drops a specification in a ServiceNow bucket and the ServiceNow bucket checks the catalog to make sure all the attributes that listed in the metadata you know, or in the list of key attributes are exist. And if they don't exist, maybe it kicks back a, an error or tells the developer to go finish, you know, um, finish refining this list of attributes. And um, we can see a world where that's happening and you don't really see governance, but it's happening. I, I couldn't agree more. I actually got into a number of, I wouldn't call them heated, but I would call them lively debates during my tenure at Gartner, because I, I believe as you do, I actually happen to think that a big share of governance can be automated. Then you get into interesting conversations about, okay, well, what's governance? But if you take some of the examples that you just described, right, which may be data quality use cases, a fit for purpose use case, contextually mm -hmm. driven, is this the right contextual use of this data? Uh, is this user seeing the right version of this data or, or even just data modeling, right? Like inherently to me, a data definition is a governance decision. How do I define a customer is a governance decision. And I think a lot of that using knowledge graphs, using other things that I know you guys are working on, uh, mm -hmm. you most certainly could automate a lot of that. Do you think that, do I think that we'll ever be away from, you know, hundred percent automated? No, uh, that, that's, that's a bit of a utopia, but couldn't agree more. I, I, I think that, that, that absolutely a lot of this can be automated. And, and I think that it all, it all stems back to that, that kind of that product focus and that deep knowledge of, of customer needs and the deep knowledge of problems that you're trying to solve, because that's, to me, that's the tip of the spear. And it sounds like you agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, I mentioned earlier the voice of business discussions we've had and we pulled in, uh, a number of our senior business people last fall and 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 did sort of dog and pony show of all the uh, we helped each of them prepare 
a list of their truly strategic business requirements. And we went from the front office to, through the middle office to the back office of the company. Um, and at the end of each of the presentations, at the end of all the presentations, one of the more senior people in the company, you know, stood up and, on Zoom and, and uh, said, uh, he said, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. Like we all have the same data requirements. We're just expressing them differently. We're using all the same data. Um, and we just don't share it very well, uh, which is one of our current initiatives to build some some new data sharing and kind of access control frameworks that you know we're doing it all. We're extremely secure right now, um, and that's part of the problem. We're so secure uh, <laughs> that we need to learn how to uh, share. Uh, and sometimes in in the, in the kind of environments we operate in, uh, it's just hard to do that without um, investing a lot of time and money. And a lot of times it's just hard to commit that kind of resource. Uh, but I think we're getting to a place where uh, we realize that we can really supercharge uh, some of the work we're doing for our customers if we um, can, can do this kind of integration and, and, and sharing of, of information. Uh, turns out we don't need three copies of the same thing. If we can learn how to share one, um, you know, that would save us all time and money. Well, for your customers, that's most certainly relevant. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> across the branches of the government. I, I, I my goodness, uh, lots of opportunities there. So, sounds like you're you're working to lead by example, at least for your customers are concerned. Let's 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 trace back to kind of your career arc. Um, sure. Where where did you where did you kind of come from? <laughs> and I don't mean that physically, like exactly, but but yeah. you know, typically what we'll see with CDOs is either you come from more of a business background or a technology background. It's, it's generally one or the other. How how would you kind of describe your your career arc, and and, and sure. what led you to where you where you are now? I know I know that you came from the banking world, but mm -hmm. um, if you if you describe that career arc. Um, just take a minute. I think that would be very, very helpful, particularly for, for our sure. audience that is trying to figure out, okay, I'm, I'm mid-career right now and I really want to go this direction. What choices should I be making? Absolutely. Um, well, for those people who aren't already in technology, there is hope. Um, <laughs> I started uh, my career after college uh, with a big uh, Fortune 500 company and a management training program. The company was Marriott. And I went I through Marriott's that. training program and became a catering service manager. How did I get here? <laughs> I, good question. Uh, I wound up in New York City for a big hotel, the biggest hotel at the time in the city. Um, began to question um, the uh, sort of the, some of the content, no, no problems, but I began to question how we were putting together profit and loss statements for my department. I was a producer, I was generating revenue for the company. Um, and uh, so uh, I worked with the, with the uh, hotel's uh, food and beverage director to look at the way we were calculating gross margin and things like that, um, because I just I thought there were things that we were doing that um, had bigger margins than the company thought we did. Um, in the end, he agreed with me, but he said, you should go to business school and get into banking. So I said, OK, and I went to business school, um, came out of business school uh, and fell into a couple of, uh, well, to a technical role. I, I wanted to get onto Wall Street. I was in New York City and that seemed exciting. So I got a, a, a job with that little bank, JP Morgan, and uh, I didn't know what I was doing, really. I, I started to work on their so-called reference data services program as the program manager. Um, I didn't know what that was. 
Um, but I was relatively technical. I had, this is in the 90s, and I had a little ThinkPad, and, you know, I thought I was uh, uh, technical, and I, I, I was sort of kind of back then. And I, you know, I found my way through uh, a number of big banks uh, over the course of 10 or 15 years, set up my own company. Um, was at an MIT event where we saw each other last week. I've been going to that event, as you probably have, for 15 years or so. Uh, and I was at the event and talking with uh, Rich Wong, Dr. Wong, who runs the program. And, and I said, you know, can I get a PhD? I had a master's, uh, an MBA. And he said, you don't need one. He said, you already know all the stuff. And I said, I really want a PhD. And fast forward six or seven years later, I asked him again. I said, can I get a PhD now? He said, talk to Dr. John Talbert. So I went over and talked to Dr. Talbert, wound up getting into a program uh, with Dr. Wong and Dr. Talbert as my as my advisors and mentors, um, and finished up a PhD in, in computer science, computer and information science, um, and it, you know along the way I I had been in data specific roles uh, beginning at, at Morgan in the 90s. Um, I stepped out into more core technology once or twice, uh, but kept coming back to data. Kept trying to get out of data, kept getting pulled back in. Um, but uh, you know, really saw something interesting about the information inside these machines. It wasn't so much the machines that were interesting; it was what was in them, what they were doing. Um, and uh, so, you know, I had my first CDO role. I was actually a data czar uh, for Freddie Mac, and was hired there in 2007 as the credit crisis was accelerating, and they were realizing management realized they needed some help with data and technology, and then they hired five or six of us to come down from New York. And um, so that was my first toe into the federal space. And then, as you know, the credit crisis didn't work out so well for Freddie and a few other firms. So um, I set up my own company and ran my own company for about 10 or 12 years and serviced a number of uh, large uh, global financial firms, um, helping them set up their CDO offices, uh, help set up the first Citigroup CDO office. Um, helped to set up uh, Citigroup or other CDO offices at places like the London Stock Exchange Group um, and a few other places. Um, and uh, always coming back to that core operational or active data governance uh, approach um, to governance. Again, it's not a lunch meeting once a month. It's a, you're managing day-to-day -day operations and making sure that people get the data they need. So I, you know, I, I had to scrape my way to find it. I, I Again, I really did try to get out of this business several times. And then I realized 10 or 15 years into it that I, I actually kind of like it and I'm not bad at it. Um, and maybe I could get some education uh, to make it clear that I know what I'm talking about. And I'm still not sure that's true, but. Uh, uh, well, if I were to paraphrase some, some things that, that I heard you say. So one, clearly you're inquisitive. Uh, two, clearly you are a learner and, and probably one of those lifelong learners, I would, I would imagine. Um, what are some of the other traits that, that you think that are, are necessary for, for a CDO and, 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 and maybe nice to have? Sure. You know, I'd say uh, the most important characteristic, uh, Malcolm, I think, the characteristic that has made me most successful is communication skills. Um, so, uh, for instance, I back at, in the hotel business, I started buying a newspaper every morning and re reading it on the way to work on the subway in New York City. And 
and here in DC, I was on the Met Show over there for a while. Um, and uh, it's become a thing I do every morning. I, you know, I'm, I'm up early and I try to read the paper, you know, and I usually find two or three articles that I send to my boss. Um, and, you know, so we can have conversations about things just to kind of keep our uh, relationship uh, open and interesting. Um, and he sends me things and we have a great relationship and that communication is critical. So um, a CDO can't operate independently of the CIO uh, and of the CTO and of the other key operational functions. Uh, the, the, so I, the communication with my peers and my manager um, and his managers when necessary is critical. The other piece that I've found to be absolutely uh, critical to my success is my team. Um, I couldn't do anything without the team. Uh, and it is a team. Uh, we are a team. Um, they made these shirts for us uh, that say Chief Data Office. Um, we, are, uh, we communicate extremely well. Uh, we had a 30-minute meeting this morning talking about Kubernetes um, and how to design our Azure government Kubernetes cluster uh, for a certain use case. Um, and the 30-minute meeting went for two hours, and we all skipped and canceled other meetings because we were getting things done. Um, and uh, in the meantime, I'm sitting there texting with my boss and trying to make the case to him that we need Kubernetes, and he's asking for the business justification and prioritization. And is it really just another shiny object? Um, so, but communication is critical, and I think knowledge is important. Um, you know, my knowledge. I tie everything back to that first set of um, systems I helped develop at JP Morgan called the Reference Data Services, which was an early uh, kind of master data concept. Uh, I'd never seen anything like that before. I really didn't know what I was doing when I was doing it. But when I was done, I saw what we'd accomplished and we pulled together, um, you know, accounting, account management systems across. 50 or 75 businesses around the world into one sort of, back then we did the hub and spoke uh, for all of our architectures, and it, but it worked. And, and it saved the company massive amounts of money and really made our uh, operation run better. And that paradigm, I've sort of, I, I keep thinking back to that paradigm every place I go through. Um, and there's one other concept, and I'll go back to my hotel days, uh, it's rotation. Uh, it's uh, in, in the, food business, when I was on the food side of the hotel business, and um, you're always rotating your stock. You're always walking through every morning to check what's in the food storeroom, what's in the, what's in the fridge, uh, what's in the bar, what are, the, what are your levels, what are your inventories? So inventory management and managing uh, the, the raw material that you're gonna manufacture into um, data products is critical. Because it's the same, if you look at it, it's really a similar process. The, the food production process is not unlike the data product production process. And I, so I go back to those, uh, I, no one around me knows it most of the time, but I'm thinking, I'm picturing, you know, uh, the food storeroom in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel when I'm thinking this sometimes. Waldorf, awesome. <laughs> um, so thank you so much. I, I think I, I could keep going for another two hours, uh, but we don't have that time. Uh, so in a, with our with our last question here, 
let's assume I'm a director of data and analytics, or maybe I'm a VP of data and analytics, and I, you know, I've, I've got a team, 10, 15 people or so, and I've, I've worked my way up the chain, and, and I feel like I'm, I'm at the door, right, uh, of the CDO role. What would, I mean, you've already shared some great insights as, as to, you know, what's worked for you, but if there were one or two little bits of insight that you could give to that director of data analytics or the VP of data analytics who wants to make the jump, what, what would that be? Um, I, I think it's pretty easy. Um, collaborate and communicate. Um, yeah, skills are important. Experience is, is important. Um, but if you've made it to the door, You've probably got both of those things. Uh, I've found uh, that communication is critical to my success. And when I stop, things break. Uh, people don't understand why I'm, uh, what my objectives are, what the key results I'm looking for are. Um, and so I'm constantly repeating myself. Um, I've got a few slides I use in every meeting. Um, it, you want to be to the point where people know what's coming. We don't want to surprise anyone. No reason to surprise anyone. No reason to prove how smart I am. Uh, no reason, or my team. Uh, my team's really smart. And but we're learning that we just need to deliver. You know, one one step at a time. Uh, and I guess the other thing besides collaboration and communications is the building blocks. Uh, I had dinner uh, 15, 20 years ago with John Zachman, who's a famous old enterprise, a famous enterprise architect. And um, I remember one thing John said at dinner, um, I was so impressed with him. And uh, he, uh, he said to me, um, and, and my buddy we were having dinner with, uh, he said, you can't build the fourth floor first. You got to start with foundation, and the first floor and the second floor. And so I've been repeating that to my boss and my team, you know, probably once a month. Um, they're probably tired of hearing it, but but we're we're building those blocks now. We're putting them in place, and uh, so I'd, I'd say those are the two or three things that I would impress upon people. But communication and collaboration, um, you know, it's 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 really people really want when, when people want to work together, you get just so much more done. Indeed, sage advice from somebody who has proven that it works. So again, I really just I really want to thank you for taking the time to come and speak to our audience today. Uh, some great insights on how to become a CDO. Uh, for those who are there, who are catering managers right now at, at, or in the hospitality industry or in the travel industry and you want to be a CDO, here's proof positive that it can absolutely positively work. So absolutely. with that, again, I want to thank you. Thanks everybody for tuning into this episode of CDO Matters. And I look forward to sharing more insights with you in a future episode sometime soon. Thanks, everybody.